Oh, it's lucky number seven for this week's podcast. Um, I'm joined by the gorgeous Tom Allen. When I first announced this podcast, he was one of the first people I wanted to to take part. I met him years ago on the comedy circuit and we've remained friends ever since and he is genuinely as lovely as he comes across on the telly and I'm thrilled his career is taking off for him um, uh, which it has been over the past few years. He's super busy at the minute um, but I managed to quickly record this podcast in his dressing room before he had to go on and record Mock the Week. Hence why you may hear a few interruptions including a brilliant interruption from his fellow comic Angela Barnes who uh, she's starstruck basically over bumping into um, Gloria Honeyford in the lift. Um, But hey, it's unedited, it's organic, and Tom is highly entertaining in this episode. I'm thrilled he could take part, and if you don't love him already, you will after this episode. So enjoy, sit back, and listen to the ever-delightful Tom Allen. I am thrilled, delighted, ecstatic... To be joined by a dear friend of mine, oh. Tom Allen. Lee, you paused there slightly so you've forgotten my surname. <laughs> How could I ever? <laughs> it's lovely to be joining you on this podcast. So we met, I was trying to think this on the way in today, I can't actually remember the year. They roll into one. They do, don't they, the years. They have that uh, that habit. What, what year, where do you think it was? Uh, well, I know where it was. It was Berry. Yes. The exotic Berry met. Doing like a... Uh, like LGBTQI it plus. was it was called it wasn't called that back then then was it no, those no. <laughs> we Just... weren't afforded any more lessons <laughs> it was actually called the only gays not the only gays in the village oh that's sure right that was fun that. wasn't it yeah and I was emceeing yes doing and great you were always. thank you you were you were closing we hadn't met because as you'll say as you know yes. gay comics never barely ever meet never the twain shall meet yes exactly um and you were so... Awful. <laughs> you were so shit. <laughs> no, you were so lovely. And I was thinking this on the way in, and you may have this, where um, basically I always thought, like, sometimes when you meet comics, and you'll know this... Mm. before you physically sick. <laughs> well, before you go on, they yes. barely speak to you, like, oh. experience comics. So I was quite new then. Really? Did you find that? I, I used to when I was starting out. Oh, and then you would to know what's going on. Yeah, well, but they wouldn't speak to you, and then you'd go on, you'd do a good job, oh, and then yeah. they'd be like, hey, and it's basically, they were waiting to see whether you were a bit shit or not. You never so did that with me. No, oh, well, I, but I always think as well, like, it's always scary, and I always think, like, that, all that kind of aggressive atmosphere, all it does is just mean that, like, really cocky people yeah. are the ones who survive it. So I always think, it's nice to talk to people and see what they're about. And then we ended up going out. Yeah, we did, didn't we? Did we end oh, up? Oh, yeah, we went to, like, GAY on Canal Street. <laughs> well, we couldn't find anywhere at Weatherspoons. Weather, weather like, close. <laughs> um, no, but that didn't, wasn't that absolutely. the night we ended up at a Mary Poppins after show party? Oh, my God, I completely forgot about that, Lee. You took us there. I thought it was a dream. Yeah, no, it wasn't. And people were dressed up as their favourite musical theatre character. Yes, and then they, got, like, got in. It's like a sort of, like, if you were a VIP ticket holder, you could go to the Mary Poppins after party. I don't know how I got into that. Did I know someone? You must leave. I think you know a lot of people. You knew someone in the cast or you knew someone. Well, it was you're great. Good. You're good with the gays, Lee. I am, I am. And Mary Poppins and is Mary. basically mine. My favourite. My favourite. What did you think of the sequel? 
Well, mm. I hate to say it, but I may have got a ticket to the European premiere. There you go. You see, you're good. You're very I good. Am, but actually, I won it. I would love to say I was invited by Meryl, but um, I won it on Instagram through Harvey Nichols, and then I won a five hundred pounds Harvey Nichols voucher. Lee, that's great. Do you know there was Insta app? I've got rid of it. I don't know why. What Instagram? No, Harvey Nichols. Oh, what's yeah, Insta? Insta? What is it called? <laughs> um, no. So basically, I tagged. So it was one of those stupid uh, competitions when tag a friend you want to tag, and I tagged someone who I was in love with at the time because oh. we love Mary Poppins oh. and um, they messaged the next day anyway digress I was I four rows away from <gasps> Meryl Streep wow I loved it did yes. you not? well do you know what I saw it on a plane recently and I didn't mind it I suppose I just thought what's this all about Alfie like what's it all like I just was, you know when you see Saving Mr. Banks have you seen that yeah, one yeah. like I really liked that and I thought that was really interesting about her story and how it was sort of an allegory for her dad and I just thought the sequel was a bit like no who cares oh okay well that's all we've got time for today <laughs> thanks Tom <laughs> and all the songs were a bit similar oh that was one thing where it was like oh this is the Feed the Birds this is the yes, it was actually it was like the exact equivalent and why was he a firelighter that's not anything we've ever like why wasn't he just Bert again yeah. just another version of Bert that would have been fine yeah although you it. must have loved it when Dick Van Dyke yeah the whole Royal Albert Hall so don't as I mentioned it was like the Royal Albert Hall oh, the European premiere they they cheered it was very was emotional Did, was Dick there Dick wasn't there oh, no was he doing some more episodes of uh, <laughs> Diagnosis Murder <laughs> Um, Tom, so you, let's talk about, you grew up in Bromley. Let's talk about it. Yes, I did. Bromley. I've never been to Bromley. No, indeed. Where would you? Actually, I was going to go. Isn't the Churchill Theatre over in Bromley? I was going to go. You were invited to a premiere there as well. (laughs) It was press night for the full Monty. (laughs) Very similar. Um, No, uh, so you grew up in Bromley. Yeah. Do you have brothers and sisters? Yes, I do have a younger brother. I didn't know that Mm, about you. He's a Tyler. Yeah. Is he? That's your tiling. For your tiling needs. Yes. Um, yeah, we're quite different, really. Well, it's unfair to say he's different. I think I, in the family, am the different one. Right, okay. Yeah. Like, yeah. It's unfair to suggest <laughs> my parents are in some way different. Like, do you know what I mean? Like, they were all completely normal people. Mm. And then they had this sort of unusual offshoot arrive that um, is just odd all the time. Like, so what weird. was your childhood like? Was it, Do you look back and think it was a happy one? Uh, yes, it was. Um, yes, absolutely. I was talking about this today. Primary school. I didn't like primary school. Really? Is that a weird thing to say? Well, I, I, I don't know. Possibly. Um, I loved primary school myself. Yes. And I'm, I'm only going from the same experience of a gay man, I suppose, sure. who was also very eccentric. Sure. Yes. Not as eccentric as, as some of the things I've heard yourself. Really? It's not a competition. No, it's not. It's not drums. Um, but no, I... I yeah, sorry, go on. No, Primary school. Why I just, didn't... I don't know. I think all that sort of childhood... I always felt like I was an adult. Like, I always felt like there'd been a terrible admin error, and I was somehow placed at, as an adult in primary school. Right. And um, sort of writing material about it at the moment, of like... I mean, I've sort of already spoken loosely about it, but uh, how I always felt like, oh no, this is completely madness that I've been put in to a school with all these children when I'm clearly a 45-year-old man. <laughs> and so, like, putting up with all of their, all of their childishness and all the sort of nonsense in the playground, I was like, why well, don't want to go out and play? 
I'd rather be getting on with some sort of tax return. <laughs> so, um, and so I never really liked playtime. I never really socialised very well. And then other kids, I think at that age, don't have any social... Uh, what is the, well, they haven't been socialised, so they're not, they don't have manners. Or social anything. intelligence. Social intelligence. So I always felt like when they were mean, I always felt like, oh, that really hurt. And you just felt like you must have been born with it. Oh, yeah, maybe I was born to it. Yeah. <laughs> and so secondary <laughs> school... Sorry, yeah. What, what, <laughs> what happened with secondary school? Was well, that... I was terrified of going to secondary school, and then when I got there, I actually really liked it, because I think, well, I liked bits of it, and particularly when, once I got settled in in the first few years... But I always thought, like, it's vast, and so you can sort of be your own person, you can be a bit more anonymous there, which I liked. And there's much more to do, and you have a bit more freedom, and you can, if you don't like hanging out with a certain group, you can walk, you don't need to be near them at lunchtime. Or yeah. you could find things to be getting on with, or you could join a club. Uh, for example, it's lovely how the way that, like, secondary school lunchtimes are basically like a warm-up for retirement. <laughs> you can just go and gardening club. Yeah, um, it is. And, stuff. And, uh, and so I like doing that. And then and, and I sort of I enjoyed secondary school a lot more, I think. Were you the other way around? Um, I guess so, yeah. I, I don't particularly remember having a hard time at primary school or feeling different as such. But over the course of secondary school, I, I suppose... But that's when I was starting to maybe 15, 16, come, yeah. you know, into wor- wondering about my sexuality. Did you come out at secondary school? No. no, no. Well, I, I used to say I was asexual, but that was basically because no one would have sex with me. But, <laughs> you know, so it wasn't, it wasn't that I didn't want to. Yeah, yeah. Um, no, I came out at 19. I was going to ask, when did you come out? 21. Did you? Yeah, so, we, so we are quite late. Yes, I wonder about that. Although I think actually there's quite a lot of us who are that age. It's just those ones who come out of like 14 who are just a bit more sort of chatty about it, aren't they? Yeah. Actually, I mean, and it's easier for people people. these days. I guess it is a bit easier sometimes, isn't it? Or there's certainly like role models. Although I think there's still plenty of like, oh my God, I can't believe it. Oh, it must be, yeah. Yeah. Um, So you went to second still in Bromley? Still in Bromley, Lee. And then did you go? Because I know. wondering where it is on that. TFL. Zone 5. Uh, travel card. <laughs> and you joined the National Youth Theatre, didn't you? Lee, great knowledge. Yes, I did. Thank you. Thank well, you. I left school at 18 and I thought I wanted to go to university. And I went for the interview to go to Cambridge to do history. Of course you did. Of course I did. And <laughs> really was not very well prepared. And didn't know what to do. And I just thought, like, it'll be enough that I'm a nice person. I went in and was, like, really chatty and polite, as I'd always been told was so important. And so... Um, endearing about me by my mum's friends and the neighbours. <laughs> I got there, of course, like, you know, people who went to Eton and stuff, they were taught by loads of teachers who went to Oxford and Cambridge, so I feel like they have much more of an insight into what they're looking for. Um, and so, like, anyway, absolutely buggered that up, um, and not in a good way. And then um, felt a bit disillusioned with all of it, really, and just sort of thought, even though I was, I knew I was academic, I just sort of thought, like, well, what's the point? And I think I was a bit fed up. I'd worked hard at school all the way through. And then I was like, what am I getting from this? Because, you know, like, you know, sort of saying about, like, being asexual, everything was so frightening. Like, I was yeah. so frightened to go out and have any kind of adult life or go on dates or anything. And I was just like, well, fuck all this education bullshit. I don't want to go to university. I was horrified. And then, like, a drama teacher who'd left the school, uh, I got in contact with her and I was like, I don't know what to do. And she was like, have you thought about joining the National Youth Theatre? And I went for audition. I did an Alan Bennett monologue. Of course I did. Chip in the sugar. Lovely. Yorkshire accent. I'm an 18-year-old um, uh, boy from Bromley. And um, they kindly took me in. And I sort of felt like that was a much more fulfilling place to be. 
Right, I would say, or it sort of it sort of ticks a lot of boxes for me wanting to spread my wings, but also not be confined by uh, academic rigor. Yeah, and you did you then? So you hadn't really, if you were going to do history, mm. ever did you? It, it was it at that point where you joined. You thought, okay, now I want to go into acting. Yes, or did I you did. always have a bit of a? Oh, I always liked performing, yeah. and I always thought I wanted to be an actor, uh, but it turned out it was just gay. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I, um, I, I was like just a bit of a shelf, and I think I liked doing plays and stuff. But then at the same time, I was always like, oh, why are the other characters talking? And then the way the end, right. like, let's take it really seriously, or like you have to be interested in Shakespeare, even though it's really boring and rubbish. Mm-hmm. And these people are like, actually, it really is very serious. And I think it was at a time when they started to like encourage a lot of straight boys to go into acting. I guess there'd always been a time of it. But then they brought all this, like, competitive spirit to it, whereas I just wanted to make people laugh. Obviously. Yeah, they brought, like, their sport. But we sport used to have sports. it. We used to have it where you choose three GCSEs, for yes, example, so. and they'd choose sports, they'd choose woodwork, yeah. and they'd be yeah. like, oh, we'll do drama because it's a dance. It's a dance. So you had all these people that didn't care. Oh, unbearable. They didn't care. And you're there doing your beat analysis on the script or whatever. Yeah. <laughs> you know. Always beating an analysis. So yes, of course. Reading Stanislavski, not knowing what it means. Because <laughs> <laughs> you have that feeling. You have no, like, what's it, memory recall? That emotional recall. You repressed yourself so I work very hard at covering these emotions up, so please yeah. don't tell me to bring them out now. Do you know, I was once in a play, and we had to cut a line of mine, because it was something like, um, I had to say something like, I'm sorry. And I couldn't say it. I couldn't, <laughs> I, but I had no feeling. And no feeling. And the director was going, what? Why can't you say that? It's like, like, have you seen a chorus line or listened to the music of it? There's a whole song about it. I should go interact with it and I felt nothing. Yeah. And um, and it's true. Like, I just was like, I don't know. I don't feel like an ice cream. But then you get like the teachers who are like, oh, I'm on a mission. I'm going to take one of these delinquent boys and turn them, like, make them actually... Billy Elliot. Like Billy Elliot mm. Mark. Um, and then it's like their like, little mission. I'm like, hang on a second. I'm the one who actually wants to be here. This is all I've got. Yeah. Not like this prick, Gavin, <laughs> who they want, who they want to have like this like charming anecdote about how they transformed Gavin. He got into Radha and now he's now yeah, he's exactly. in 10 years mm. time. And he's marrying Kinnick, Kira Knightley. No, exactly. Like, yeah, n- none of that. Yeah. Kind they, of, they want the they want poster that, boy. They want the poster boy. They want that Disneyland story for themselves of how they were a hero. And um, I had no time for that. Um, and I just wanted to be and things. And then they sometimes did musicals, but the person who directed musicals didn't like me, so she wouldn't cast me, and I've always held a grudge. Oh, really? Yeah, so then, Why didn't she like I you? Know. I think I, don't know. I think she thought it was a bit too much of a show-off. But were you too busy slagging off Garen? Probably. Gavin behind his back. Probably, yeah. She loved putting Gavin in it. Yeah, girl, like, I bet he was the lead. Yeah, oh, she was like, actually, Gavin can sing, that's great, we'll put him in it. And they, I think they just found me annoying and precocious, which actually I wasn't. But it was my only escape. Um, if I anyone's had. listening, well, if anyone's listening to this, <laughs> listening, yes, but no, we, you will, you will hear the odd noise. We've got a noisy oh, corridor. A noisy we are story. recording this. No, no, don't. Because you're a busy guy. We're wow. recording this at Television Centre. Yes. White City. Yes. And there's always people. You because you've been here a few times. You, you bump into the weirdest things. I bumped into a bunch of nuns today. That's great. Singing nuns. Wow. Time. Like, that was one of the musicals I wasn't cast in. Really? Yeah, Sound right. of Music. No, not Sister Oh, Act. sorry. We didn't do Sister Act. That's okay, cool. sorry. That would have been great, though, in a way. You could have been Sister Act. I would have been great, right? 
Which that would be the Maggie Smith character. Obviously. Yeah, yeah. Moaning yeah. well. <laughs> <laughs> Furious that Gavin, Gavin, Gavin. Dolores. <laughs> Um, so you then transitioned into <laughs> transitioned into comedy, clearly. Yes. What, so then I worked at the National Youth Theatre, and then a friend of mine, Charlie Baker, and his wife, Sam, and a couple of other friends there were like, oh, you should have a go at stand-up. And at that point, no one really did stand-up unless you were, like, a bloke. Like, it was not to make myself sound like some absolute pioneer, because obviously there were people out there before me, but... On the television, it felt like stand-ups were still very blokey. Yeah. And I was like, that sounds ridiculous. I definitely would not suit doing that. I should have a go at it. And that sort of perpetuated me, I think, to try it, the sort of unusualness of it. And that was really fun. And I did that. And I sort of told stories and anecdotes. And I liked doing that. And then I entered some, entered some newcomer competitions. And I think because I was different... Not just anyone. You entered two big newcomer yes. competitions. So you think you're funny... And BBC New Comedy Awards. Yes. For anyone who doesn't know, this these are the, the kind of there's, there's competitions all over these yes. years, but these are the big ones. Um, yes. Well, were the, the big ones really? The only ones, I think. Or there might have been a couple of others, but yeah. When I entered them, and I won both of them, which was lovely. But then, of course, actually, that was quite difficult because people then had an expectation. Yeah. And really, what I needed at that point was someone to go. You know what? Go off and be shit for five years which is what I ended up doing. But um, go off and be rubbish, learn what you're doing, learn a bit about yourself, and just keep doing it and don't give up. But instead... And how old were you at this point? Like 22. So too young to know anything about anything. Mm, see, I really felt like I, I started around that age as well. Yeah. And did you feel like you, there was almost this kind of audience of, of people going, you're far too young to be telling me anything. Yeah, absolutely. Like, occasionally they'd be generous and they'd be like, yeah. oh, we love you, that's so great. But a lot of the time they'd be that like, and I don't, would you find this actually in, because it's Manchester you grew up, isn't it? I, well, I, I was born in Grimsby, but I, oh, sorry. I grew up, yeah, but I moved to Manchester for uni, so I right. spent years sorry. there. Um, but just that sort of, I don't know if it's a British thing or if it's a suburban thing, of that like, oh, who's this then? I yeah. don't like this. Like, just this sort of really, like, rather than being like, oh, how interesting, a different voice, which they would be if you did a gig in Islington or yeah. maybe Didsbury in Manchester. Um, but in um, in a lot of, like, London or, like, a lot of places, I turn up and they're like, oh, no, I don't think, what does he think he is? I didn't like that. I didn't think that was what he was talking about. And they'd be really like, and the more they did that, the more so it's going to feel, and that can be quite... I remember I had once, I walked off in Burnley or something, and they went, oh, Bernard Manning would be turning in his grave. <laughs> And, and, and literally, uh, and he said, it's, "I don't think he would. He'd be quite big. <laughs> <laughs> the grapes aren't big enough." Um, so you, you then was was it at that point? You because you still actually did a bit of acting. I remember yes. you, didn't you do a lot of radio acting? I did, and, and so I didn't complete top of back on it. But oh, oh, we have one, one second. One second. Um, oh. I heard you laugh. I heard you. I'm not oh, talking. How are you, darling? You're right. You know, Lee. Hello. 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 Nice to meet you. Lee, I'm just doing Lee's podcast in here. Oh, sorry, if I just oh, interrupted right. a podcast. You're right. you're right. You're right. It's a nice edition. I just got a list of Gloria Holliford. Shh. Oh, I know, right? And she's just like, what are you recording? And she's just like, we were just, I was just in my head going, Gloria fucking Holliford. What was she doing? She's been on the podcast. Has she been on this podcast? She's been on the podcast. She's been on the podcast. What was she like on the podcast? She was great. Is she using you as a ripoff? Is it a you rip off in some way? Yeah, and she just went, "Let's do it now!" Wow, because I, I worked with her. She was wearing this 
amazing of green little cut-off leather jacket. What? She's she? amazing. Yeah, she's in the 70s right now. Yeah. She's a day. And um, yeah, she's great. I was just going, oh. so I had a little... Oh Roman. my god, of course. I almost started crying in the lift. <laughs> what was Gloria famous for? Was it Watchdog when we first... When we first she was, was on loads of things. She was, was like breakfast, telly, and then consumer stuff. I was always consumer stuff with Claire Rayner. I felt like her and Claire Rayner were quite interesting. She, she had her own, she had her own show, show well. yeah. She did she, it. Yeah, had her own chat show. She talked on the podcast about interviewing Audrey Hepburn. <gasps> wow. Still available on iTunes. Oh, that's a good one. Yeah. I don't know stories like that, mate. Things <laughs> like that. Wow. Well, I shall leave you two to your... Oh, well, I just want well, to well, come well, and say hi. Oh, no, I'm so glad you did. I'll come soon. Yeah, come say hi. Yeah, we can, so we've just had a lovely knock on the door. Your fellow colleague, Angela Barnes. Angela Barnes. And she uh, chatted of how much she loves Gloria Honeyford. Yeah. She bumped into her in the lift. But that is the thing, like we were saying with Television Centre, it's one of those weird things, and you must get that now where... You're obviously doing a lot more TV. You bump into all past people. Do you still get it where you're like, oh my gosh, this is such and such, this is... Um, what, like people you meet who you're excited by? Yeah. Oh, yes. Um, absolutely. And then, like, I get so starstruck by, like, meeting Nick Knowles or, <laughs> um, or like, Vicky Pepperdine I met the other day oh, really? from um, many things, but Getting On, I love her in, yeah. and, um, and Joan and Jerrica, the... Uh, podcast she does with uh, Julia Davis and was really excited and sort of beside myself and 95% of the time they're very nice people that you meet yeah. and it's lovely I met Esther Ransom once oh yeah I worked with her I was doing warm for a show she was on she is she's bonkers but I loved her yeah she's oh, great. Well, she started doing the warm up for me I was like you can stay back in the day back at Pebble Mill I know right hot spilled that's like they didn't have a warm up there did they <laughs> So you you still did your acting. You did bleak expectations. Yes. You did a lot of radio. I did get to do some acting, and I, it was always sort of comedy stuff. But I did yeah. I did enjoy it. I was but, a bit like that. Oh yeah, did you? Like, like, I just loved the comedy yes, side of it. Yes, yes. I think um, that is where um, that's what I just like it, and I like those sort of quirks about people. Those moments that they show. Um, I just yeah, just like it. And, do you do that as much anymore? Because obviously your career is taking off now. Um, it has over the past few years. And actually, I was also thinking on this, this on the way in. And I was actually weirdly chatting to Andrew McLean, who I know oh, worked with yes, on the Crystal Maze. Yeah, and she said, oh, you must say hello. He's lovely. Oh, you won't remember me. I was like, I'm, Andrea, I think he will. Follow you on Instagram. I can't see my photographs. But I was saying it's so nice for a comedian... Or a friend, as a, a friend as well, but like anyone who you know who's doing really well, and you're like, oh, they're, they're, I'm glad because they're a good person oh. and they're a nice person, and you are. Um, do you still, obviously with all the TV stuff, do you still do the odd bits of acting, or is it kind of naturally yeah. moved? Well, I think what I like about stand-up is storytelling, and I like that, that and I like sort of the quirks of human nature and the way people are and the funny sort of nuances of their behaviour. I like that in stand-up, so I guess I... I guess that sort of crosses over into acting to an extent. Um, and so I've done bits, and I did a bit in like Josh Whittacombe's sitcom, and done stuff with various various little bits here and there, and it's always fun to do. Um, it's just, it's quite nice actually to play a different role. I mean, stand-up is, it has a lot of acting about it as well. Yeah, it's yeah. sort of, well, the way I do it, mugging off. Um, so it's always a bit of a hammy performance to be had. And do you still get nervous? 
Yes. Do you know, because I read a quote, you know how much I love Adele. Yeah. And she was saying the bigger kind of you get, and obviously the more success you get, and as you know, you're on the same level as Adele. Well, we're basically the same. Uh, <laughs> but the more pressure you have to go, this guy's she, off the telly, he's on Mock the Week. She says that, does she? She I, does, of course. I extent, that to an extent, actually. I think a sense of, um, what is the feeling? Just, like, you know, you're, like, you're always trying to prove yourself. You're always trying to do a good job. I think you always feel lucky to be there. I think maybe there are people who don't feel that lucky. Of course, this is always going to happen. Yeah, I suppose it's it, you go from trying to prove to the audience that you're good yeah. to moving to kind of proving that you're as good as they've seen you on. Yes, yeah, you're so always kind of moves. wanting to do your best for people. And I suppose actually, it's the, the more experience we get, I guess the better we are at going, actually, my best is when I'm myself. Yeah. And actually... Um, Somebody said to me once, nerves are just the flip side of excitement. Mm. And I think that's sort of true. Actually, sometimes we can get nervous, but maybe it's just a way of reprogramming it for us that we need to do of going, actually, I'm really looking forward to it. I've worked towards doing this. I, um, I just want to do my best job on this. I just, want to, I just want to do my best for everybody. I'm going to have a nice time. Yeah. I mean, that's sometimes harder, isn't it, to be positive rather than... Sorry, I'm just going to draw. Hello. Going to studio. Okay, I'll be up in a couple of minutes. All right, thanks. Um, Hey, sorry. Totally. Well, I'm, I'm keeping you. No, I'm keeping you. But um, I wanted to ask before you go, um, I ask everyone this. Your mantra for life. Oh, yes, I thought about this. Mine is, somebody said this to me on a date once, and I've run into this guy. <laughs> I love the fact that yours is on a date. Brilliant. Um, and I didn't, he was a nice guy, actually. I saw him the other day. Anyway, um... He said to me, and he got this advice from a stylist, and the advice was, never save anything for best. Oh my God, can I just throw it out there? I'm pretty certain that that was Gloria Honeyfence. No way. I think it was. No way. I think it, oh, actually, hold on. No, I don't, no, it was Andrea's maybe. Well. Oh no, hers was keep moving forward. I don't know whose it was. <laughs> it's probably my positive um, quote as well on Instagram. She's she, very lucky. She is. Um, but, yeah, I think it's true. You, know, you get a new outfit. You get... I don't know. It's so easy to live life as a rehearsal. And I, and I do it, and I'm so guilty of it. But, like, the other day, I was like, oh, I've always wanted to go to this restaurant. I mean to my friend, why don't we go to this restaurant? Turned out, actually, the service was very poor. And I'm going to write and complain. But the <laughs> sense of wanting to go there, I was like, what am I waiting for? Why do I have to wait for my birthday to go there? I'm yeah. glad I didn't, because the service wasn't very good. Anyway, they gave me a table that was right in the middle of this waiter station. I mean, I could barely, I could barely pull out my chair. Oh, so you're more... I, I thought that more as in never save, like, a nice well, pair of yes. shoes. Yes, that that's, well. that's what Not it starts experience. from. experience. But experiences, anything. And you I know. guess that goes to living in the present. Don't it's, wait. Don't wait. You don't know you might get knocked over by a bus. What a way to go. Like that secretary did in the first series of The Crown, who actually I thought was the most interesting one. I've not seen The Crown. I think it's fine. But... Um, <laughs> There were some, some things I thought, no, this doesn't check out. And I thought, details, it's missing. Oh, really? Yeah. Like, at one point, um, they say to her, oh, you need to come through now, Your Majesty. And I thought, this, at the end of the first series, and the photographer does it, and I thought, there's no way they'd be allowed to say that. No. And there's one thing when she walks into the banqueting room, and all the footmen are putting out the, the cutlery, and they all just carry on when she walks in. I was like, again, they would not no be They'd all have to stop. She's way more powerful than that. And also, they crossed her on the stairs. They would not be allowed. Because when I worked at Fortnum and Mason, 
I got told off for using the main staircase once when I was staff and I should have been using the back stairs. There's no way those footmen get to use the main stairways at Buckingham Palace. If it doesn't happen at F&M, then it, it does not happen at BNP. BP. Tom, thank you so much. I know you're a very busy man. I'm going to let you go. run off like this. No, no, no. more for me. Come back. Well, you also have your own podcast with Susie Oh, Ruffles, which so you've very kind of guessed it on the... Oh, thank yeah, you so much for doing that. Light-minded friends. I was going to say straight-minded friends. I was like, actually the very opposite. It's a conversion therapy. <laughs> it's still <laughs> it's going on. Therapy. It's not effective. Yeah. <laughs> still. If anything, we've got gay. If anything, it's, it's been a real hindrance. But, um, yeah, no, light-minded friends, do have a listen, if you like, that sort of thing. Thank you, Tom. Thank you, Lee. Thank you for having me.